The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to Season 3 of The Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the show brought to you in partnership with Arlington Economic Development, where we discuss issues related to the workforce, the role of place in the future of work, and the role of the creative sector in a larger business context. We call this return on creativity. Today, we're going to talk about the return to the office and how it is causing companies to need to be nimble and adaptive in their approach to planning their office needs for everything from the next several months to the next several years. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome David Cornbrooks, Senior Managing Director, Savills North America. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Excited to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you. Uh, so let's uh, let's get started um, by, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and, and what Savills does? Sure. So um, I am a, a real estate advisor at Savills. Savills is a global real estate company. And in the U.S., uh, we're exclusively focused on advising organizations on their occupancy strategies. Um, and that's everything from strategic planning to workplace and workforce consulting to negotiating a transaction, finding a building, um, and ultimately delivering the space through project management. Um, and it's, it's been an interesting 15 months. Um, a lot of what we've been doing is helping uh, organizations figure out um, how you know the last 15 months will impact uh, space needs going forward. Um, so this is a very timely uh, topic. So uh, Savile's technology practice group did a survey in, in Q1 of this year of technology tenants about their predictions and planning for the year. Um, so according to the survey, the majority of companies were planning to return to the office in Q3 of, of 2021. Do you think uh, they're still on track to do this? Yeah, so it's interesting. That um, survey was you know, largely completed in March. Uh, the results were compiled in, in early April, and it's kind of amazing how the world has changed even since early April, yeah. right? So vaccination rates are are way higher. Um, you know, I think the number is about 140 million Americans um, have been vaccinated. 63% of adults have at least one vaccine. Cases are way down. Um, you know, 90% since since January. Arlington, where I live, and I know you work, um, has had zero cases. Um, in the last week, which was is amazing, and then obviously the relaxed um, you know guidance from both CDC and the local jurisdictions in terms of you know masks and um, capacity restrictions. So a lot has changed, but I, I do think we're still on target. If anything, um, I think companies are maybe opening sooner, um, but 
maybe on a voluntary basis for those that are vaccinated. But um, I think for the vast majority of, of companies that you know, we, we survey, we read surveys about, and just anecdotally um, that we talk through to throughout the course of, of our day, um, I think post, most are targeting a post-Labor Day um, return to the office in some fashion. And I think a lot of it's really tied to you know, childcare and what the schools uh, end up doing in the fall. Um, but also allowing employees to really ease back into a new way of, of working, um, you know, maybe ramping up over the summer, maybe even moving back into town. A lot of um, a lot of people have moved out of town for the last 15 months. So getting giving employees time to move back in. Um, but I think just generally um, easing back into, you know, this post pandemic world. Yeah, and all, along those lines, uh, you know, also in, the, in that same survey, uh, over 70% of respondents said they believed employees would be coming into the office at least three days a week, but only 4% uh, believe employees would work all five days in the office. So from your perspective, and, and given what Savills um, does for, for its customers, what impacts does this have on how tenants plan for utilization of their spaces? Sure. So I, I think, first of all, I, I do think companies are still trying to figure out how much flexibility to offer their employees. And it's really kind of a spectrum, right? On one side of the spectrum, you have uh, employees you know, in the office five days a week. That's sort of the pre-pandemic model for you know, the vast majority of organizations. Very few companies um, are going to go back to this way of working, although a few have and a few will. Um, on the other side of the spectrum um, is, you know, working from home five days a week, which is what most of us have ex been experiencing over the last uh, 15 months. And I think very few companies will continue this policy, although a few have and a, a few very large and, and public uh, organizations have, um, have or will implement that type of policy. But um, I think most will fall in the middle, um, but there is a big difference between coming back and having employees come back to the office four days a week versus one day a week in the way you plan for and utilize space. So if, if people are coming back three or four times a week, it's, it's very difficult to seat share or have, you know, a free address type of system. So your space needs, you know, likely won't change all that drastically. Um, but if you have people coming back only one or two times a week, there is an opportunity to seat share or implement a free address system, which can really reduce your real estate footprint. And in that case, you know, space becomes less about heads down work and more about collaboration and socialization. So think more conference room, more soft gathering places, et cetera, to facilitate those types of interactions. Um, so I, I think overall, you know, there, there'll likely be a little bit less demand for space than, you know, would have otherwise happen, but probably not as drastic a cut as you might think. But like I said before, I think organizations are really trying to figure this out now. And it's really going to be, it's really going to depend on, you know, where they fall on that spectrum in the middle. Is it, is it one day a week? Is it four days a week? Or is it where I think most will settle in, in two or three days a week in the office? From that perspective, do you think, uh, you know, as things change, I mean, you mentioned, uh, that anybody following the news is seeing things kind of rapidly change and and either accelerating or decelerating or whatever based on predictions. But mm -hmm. do you think there's other events that have happened that have impacted some of the survey, you know, some of those things that, that were surveyed and maybe were 
uh, very accurate in March, but you know, as the as yeah. the world continues to rapidly change, any other insights that that may uh, may even be surprising that that they've changed so quickly? Yeah, um, I, I think there's there's almost two uh, forces at play. I think I, I mentioned the sort of one side of you know higher vac- vaccination rates, like in early April, it was hard to even schedule a vaccine, let alone get one. Um, you know, not 60% of the adult population is, is vaccinated. Um, cases are down. People are venturing out, seeing friends and family, going to restaurants, and I think generally feel, you know, more comfortable being out in the, in the world. Um, you know, that with, you know, relaxed guidance from CDC and local jurisdictions in terms of mask wearing and capacity restrictions in the office and restaurants and elsewhere. Um, but then you have this other force of, you know, I think two, two things that are, that are related. Um, one is a few very, very public instances of employee backlash from a company um, either talking about the remote plan or, or saying what the remote plan is. So think locally, um, you know, the Washingtonian was is an example of that. The staffers went on strike. Um, Apple, uh, more recently this week, Tim and last week, Tim Cook um, announced that uh, employees will be coming back to the office three times a week. Um, and the, you know, a, a good portion of their employees kind of came together and wrote a letter um, saying they should revisit that. So there's, yeah. there's a couple public instances of, of employee pushback. And then there's also um, the notion that people have not moved around as much um, during the pandemic, haven't switched jobs as much as maybe they otherwise would have. And, you know, you read studies from Microsoft and Robert Half and others that talk about this sort of tsunami of, of people looking to change uh, jobs, change careers, um, both sort of naturally, but then also as a result of of the last 15 months. And I think companies are, are a little bit nervous about that. And I think as a result um, are being very careful about their both short-term strategy and, and long-term strategy. Um, and I think a lot are kind of waiting to see a little bit about what, what the market is in terms of you know, offering flexibility. Um, but I, you know, overall, I think, I don't think the, the results and the message from the survey will change. I mean, flexibility is here to stay. The, the pre-pandemic way of working is, is not the future. Um, you know, how much flexibility is, is going to be the big question. But as we've talked about, you know, things are changing every day. People's comfort levels in sort of the broader sense are changing every day. Um, so, you know, we ran the same survey in the fall of 2020 and the numbers have shifted since then. And I think they'll continue to change as the environment changes. And just to give an example, like I, I think it's really easy to think about working remotely now when everyone is working remotely. I think it becomes a little harder when some people are, are in the office and, and some are out of it. And I think there's also kind of an initial shock and you know, fear of coming back into the office and implementing old routines. I mean, I had it uh, the first few times I came back in the office. I'm now, you know, f- averaging probably four times a week in the office. But, you know, there's there's a lot of questions that you haven't had to think about over the last 15 sure. months that you're going to have to think about. Like, what's my new schedule? Is the metro running on time? Am I going to feel safe taking public transportation? You know, do I have the right setup in my office now? I've had the right setup at home. I've adapted that. It, what's the office setup like? Like, what are the building protocols? What do I have to do when... I'm entering the building when I'm entering the space. What restaurants are even open to grab lunch? You know, are other people going to follow 
you know, whatever guidelines or guidance is up within the space, like who's going to be in the office um, that I can collaborate with. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, I think, fear and just an initial hurdle um, to come in the office, but I can kind of tell you from experience that, you know, it does take a, a handful of times coming back um, and then you kind of get used to it. I think people are very quick to adapt. And so I think once people are over that hurdle, I think sentiments will, will, will change again. You know, I, I can appreciate it's it's a bit of a challenge in helping these organizations plan because what we know is that we we don't always know what we don't know uh, just from this this pandemic and you know hopefully there's not something that disruptive that that happens again for many reasons but right. you know how how do you counsel an organization when their plan like they need to make a change for for whatever reason or, or they want to make a change and uh, you know things I think things will return to more people going back into the office, whether it's, you know, two, three, four, five days a week, whatever that might be. How do you work uh, with an organization and, and help them when you know that they, they are going to need to be agile and adaptive? Like what's a, what, what's an approach that, uh, or even a mindset that, that they can take as, as they're planning and thinking about this? You know, I think the, the two biggest things are communication and just flexibility. Um, and, you know, we all often think about this question, sort of the two biggest challenges that organizations face right now, right? It's their immediate return to the office, which is the short term and, you know, how the last 15 months impact the workplace and space needs in the future, which is the long term. And like I said, communication and flexibility is, is key. I mean, just thinking back to the Washingtonian and the Apple example, how you communicate your intentions to employees, how you solicit input from employees to make them feel heard. Um, change management is key. Um, like you said, uh, in terms of flexibility, we don't know what the rest of the year will bring in terms of, you know, cases um, and variants, et cetera. So being nimble and being flexible and, and communicating that flexibility to employees is important. And, in the, you know, short term, in terms of getting employees back to the office, it's how do you make your employees feel safe? How can you give them a roadmap to make it easier to come back? For the first time, um, I talked about you know some of the hurdles that I had coming back. Right, people have been working from home for 15 months. It's a big change to go back in the office. Take some time getting used to. How can you incentivize people to come to the office? Maybe it's a parking stipend or a lunch stipend. Um, communicating what the rules and the protocols are in place. So a lot of the short-term um, things are are not as much physical changes, but behavior changes and. Uh, you know, psychological type of comfort. And then in the long run, you know, it's really about, you know, what are the core values of the organizations? How is the remote policy, um, you know, going to advance those core values? And what role do you want the office to play within the organizations? And what spaces do you need to support employees and the work that you want to be done sort of in the office? Um, it's, it's, not really a one size fits all solution. Every organization, every leadership team, every culture is different. And I think it's it's gonna take really digging into a company values and priorities to figure out what's best. But I think that the two themes for us um, in advising organizations for both of these challenges, both the short term and the long term is, is communication, 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 and flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. Uh, along the flexibility line, um you know, we touched on this a little bit, but, you know, just for, for organizations kind of rethinking how they're, 
how they're using their space. So it's, you know, it's, it's not always about downsizing because less people are in the office. Sometimes it's just better space utilization and things like that. Are you talking with a lot of, a lot of clients that are, you know, just kind of rethinking, um, you know, I, I always use the example of, you know, office cubicles are not always great for if all of your employees are on Zoom meetings all day, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, the person next to them is right. on a different meeting or mm-hmm. there's people walking in the background or or whatever the case may be. Um, how how much are you seeing that the companies are, again, not not even looking at upsize, downsize, all that, but but all just how do I better use my space given the, the current reality? Yeah, it's 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 funny. It's a really good question. And, you know, now that companies are having to make decisions about this and putting pen to paper on future plans, the question and specifically about how do you um, accommodate, you know, virtual meetings in the in the office, um, I think is going to be the biggest challenge in the hybrid work environment. Um, some organizations have done it really well and we're working this way pre pandemic, but I think the majority of organizations were not working in this way. Um, virtual meetings are clearly not going away um, for better or for right. worse. Um, and I think companies are going to have to have both, you know, the policies in place from an equity standpoint um, around their virtual meetings and also the technology to handle it. And so for our clients that are in the planning stage, we're seeing um, an increasing need for Zoom rooms for exactly the reason you mentioned, especially if they're in a more open space plan. It's it's not ideal to be on a Zoom while you have, you know, your colleagues, um, you know, six feet from you talking on on their own individual Zoom meetings. Um, yeah. So we've, we've seen an increased need for Zoom rooms, um, you know, 60 to 80 square feet offices or enclosed rooms that are meant to take a virtual meeting, you know, for an hour, especially if you sit in a workstation. And I think more generally, we're seeing a higher ratio of collaboration space to heads down space as the function of the office changes in that direction, especially if you're an organization that's trending on the um, more remote side of the spectrum, right? In the office only one or two days a week. Um, So because we're seeing the office becoming more of that place for collaboration than heads down work than it did before. Um, But like I said before, I think, you know, organizations are are really trying to figure out and where you fall in that spectrum is going to determine what your um, what the ultimate sort of function and layout of your office will be. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of work happening now to kind of work through that with each organization. As I said before, it's um, there is no sort of one size fits all. It's really dependent on each sort of individual organization. So you're uh, going to be participating in the Return on Creativity Return to Work virtual event on, on July 13, and really looking forward to your your participation there. Um, so you know we're going to be discussing a lot of issues related to to what you and I have have discussed already on this show. Um, but I'd also like to talk about the important role that places, uh, you know, geographic places, both you know, external spaces, internal spaces, have on the the employee experience as well. So you know, despite uh, remote work increasing and, and other trends, um, you know, why would you say that the the geographic location a company chooses is still extremely important and, and needs to be factored in? Yeah. So um, I think about location uh, maybe broadly. I think, you know, there's a, the geographic standpoint and then maybe the physical 
you know, location. Um, yeah. From uh, a geographic standpoint, I think location will always matter, although it might matter slightly less if people are, you know, one, commuting to the offices less often, and two, companies are recruiting remotely and in other cities, which, which we've seen um, over the last 15 months. Um, but I think companies are always going to locate where the talent is, whether that's at the submarket level. So should I be, you know, along the toll road to recruit maybe the more mature tech talent um, sort of west in the Virginia, you know, suburbs or Arlington to recruit some of the younger tech talent, um, but then also sort of on a global level. And, you know, with remote work, the world can now become your recruiting ground. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I think, you know, the co-working or flex office market will come back and be a really important part of the ecosystem to establish a location where, you know, there's either a, a cluster of remote employees or to establish locations in the same uh, metro area, but in different submarkets markets closer to town. So a central office, but, you know, having uh, a few co-working seats for employees who don't want to commute all the way in. So I think geographic location is one, physical location is the other, the office. Um, and I think, you know, companies are trying to figure out how to incentivize it or entice people to come to the office because now companies are competing with home and some of the nice perks that working from home uh, gives. No commute, more family time, relaxed dress, you know, working out during the middle of the day, spending less money on commuting uh, and lunch. And so the office, you know, the building, the amenities within the building, the workplace, the amenities within the workplace, the technology within the workplace, um, I think matters more. Um, companies um, have to have an office worth coming to um, and that can accommodate the new needs of the work environment, again, because they're competing with with um, with the home environment that people have gotten used to over 15 months. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was thinking is, you know, it's it's funny because uh, by one token, you'd think that it might matter less because, yeah, people spend two days a week from home. But um, it actually I, I agree with you. I think it matter. It, it's actually going to end up making location matter more and um, make those investments in in making the place a better, uh, you know, a better place to work. Because, you know, not only competition for jobs is different you know it's it's changing i mean you're uh, an organization is gonna be competing against um another company that may have a hundred percent remote work and you know there's mm -hmm. good and bad with with that as well i mean a hundred percent remote isn't always um a hundred percent great um right. either because you lose some of that collaboration so you know mm -hmm. I, I do actually think the the space the location all all of those things that you just mentioned are are going to actually be more important versus if everybody has to come into the office every day, then, you know, one office, as long as it has fast internet and a coffee machine, you know, maybe may not have been that much different than the other if, you know, all things being equal. But yeah, I, I see it as, as a competitive advantage now. Even, yeah, even more so. I think companies, um, you know, they have, have to, uh, recruiting and retaining talent has always been um, at the top of the list and using the office space as a way to um, help help that, help the retaining yeah. and recruiting um, has has always been, been important. But now you really have to um, make sure that the office, you know, and b before maybe, maybe employees didn't have 
um, a choice whether it be in the office or not. So on some level, if you know they were uh, not going to move to another uh, job, um, the office didn't matter as much because there really wasn't a choice. You had to be in that office. Now, again, if you have a choice or you have a choice to go to an employer where you don't have to come to the office, you really want to um, incentivize people to come to the office and make it worthwhile for people to come to the office um, to make sure that they're using their time, their one or two or three days a week in the office, um, productive and, and have it be a positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one last question before we wrap up, um, for a company that's planning a big location move, uh, you know, whether it's right now or in the coming months, what's, you know, what advice would you give? What's some of the first things they should consider? So, um, you know, we always said even pre-pandemic is plan first, Understand what you need before you're in the market. Figure out what location works best to recruit and retain talent. Figure out what function your office will play within the organization, um, how it's going to support those core values, um, how it's going to support the people and the work they do. And, you know, I said it before, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, and I think, you know, right now, given where the market is, it's, it's kind of a balance between making sure, you know, you're making the right decisions in what is a very challenging environment to make a decision with taking advantage of what is the most tenant-friendly market I've, I've seen in my career and others have seen in their career. Um, so for organizations that can project what they will need and how they will work with confidence, um, the world is their oyster and they'll have the ability to lock in at extremely favorable economics and flexibility. Um, for the majority of organizations that don't quite know yet how their future will plan out, I think it's it's maybe best to take a little bit of a wait and see approach. Run a pilot for the return to office and hybrid work. Um, you know, the, the tenant friendly market is going to be here for a while, maybe not at these levels, but but at a favorable level. So I think what's really important is getting it right and not having to to backtrack. So if you need to wait a few months to really figure it out, we'd recommend doing that. David, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I think people, you know, can find me on LinkedIn um, or, um, you know, feel free to email me directly, dcornbrooks at savils.us. Um, I also have a monthly newsletter I send out. So if anyone wants to um, join that list, I'm happy to, to add you. But um, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um and I uh, hope to do it again soon. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank David Cornbricks, uh, Senior Managing Director, Savills North America, for joining the show. To learn more about uh, Return on Creativity, brought to you by the Agile World and Arlington Economic Development, please go to returnoncreativity.com. Thanks for listening to the Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.